Scripture. Turn, over, if you would, over to chapter 4, the same book. And it says in verse 12 and 13, in verse 15 and 16, we'll be looking. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayer, that ye may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him record that he hath great zeal for you and them that are in Laodicea and them in Heropolis. And then in verse 15 and 16, it says, Salute the brethren which are in Laodicea, Nyphes and the church which is in his house. And when this epistle is read among you, cause that it be also, or be read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and that ye likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. Epaphras is a fellow laborer with Paul, the apostle in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's mentioned again, and turn, if you would, back to chapter 1 of our book in Colossians. Chapter 1, he's mentioned in verse 7, as having taught the Colossian church the grace of God and truth. He's a faithful gospel preacher, preaching and proclaiming the free grace of God in Christ. Ephesians, or I mean, Colossians chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. You also learned of Epaphras, of our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. So he was a faithful preacher to those in Colossus, and he also brought a good report to Paul about their faithfulness and about how they're standing for the truth. It's important to note that before we go any further, who this epistle is written to. Look at it in verse 1 and 2 again. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timotheus, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ. So this book is written to the Colossian believers and also to all who would believe on Christ, right? Because we, we are reading this thousands of years later and gleaning from it right now. But think of this. Think of this. The reason it's important to note before we go any further, who the epistle is written to is that a great many errors could be cleared up. If we looked at who the scripture, if somebody was quoting a scripture, look who it's written to. People like to rip Peter's, Peter, what Peter says uh, about uh, God not wanting any to perish. They like to rip that out of context. Well, that's God's elect. None of God's elect will perish. So a great many errors could be cleared up if we look at who the scripture was written to when folks quote it to us. And people love to quote scripture out of context. And they also love to apply universalism to scripture that's not there. This epistle was written to God's people in Christ in Colossus. And this is, beloved, is why we preach Christ and leave the work of persuading sinners to God. Because he does it all. He does it all. Salvation is of the Lord. It's of the Lord. And we proclaim this. And we proclaim that salvation is his doing. So let's look at the first verse before us. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Demetrius, our brother. Paul here tells us by inspiration of the Holy Spirit that he is an apostle. 
Now, we do not have apostles at that this time, although there's some apostates out there who claim that they are apostles, but they're not. They're apostates. They're not, there's no apostles right now. Although some, some like to claim in their own little mind that they are. But during the time of this writing, there were. And notice how quickly, though, notice how quickly Paul, Paul doesn't necessarily focus on himself. Notice how quickly, how quickly he turns the focus on Christ. Paul, an apostle of who? Jesus Christ. So right away, right away he's getting their minds focused on Christ. And this is, what, this is why Spurgeon said he made a beeline. If you read Spurgeon's messages, you notice within the first few paragraphs, he makes a beeline right to Christ. Because that's, that's our hope. That's where our message all comes in him. And it's all about him. So the Greek word for apostle is defined as this, a delegate or a messenger, one sent forth with orders. One sent forth with orders. Specifically applied to the 12 apostles of Christ. And some characteristics of the apostles were this. They were chosen by Christ. They were chosen by him. They saw the Lord personally. They saw the Lord personally. They had a personal knowledge of the gospel revealed to them. And their doctrine, they were gifted to work miracles for the confirmation of their doctrine. So Paul's authority as an apostle comes from God. Comes from God. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. Which leads to our next point. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, it says in the text. Of Jesus Christ. Paul owes his appointment and his authority to the Lord Jesus Christ. He gets all his authority to preach from Christ. Not from man. Not from a group of men. But he attributes his apostleship not even to his own merit, right? Not even to his own merit. Not to his own strength. Not to his own sufficiency. But to the free grace and the goodwill of God. He is a chosen, turn with me if you would to Acts chapter 9. He is a chosen, appointed messenger of God to preach and proclaim the gospel of salvation in Christ plus nothing. He's a chosen, ordained vessel of God. Acts chapter 9, verses 15. And then put your finger in Acts, Acts 22 as well. Acts chapter 9, verse 15. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. A chosen vessel unto me. And in Acts 22, verses 12 to 15, And one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, having a good report of all the Jews which dwelt there, verse 12, came unto me and stood and said unto me, Brother Saul, receive thy sight. In the same hour I looked up upon him. 
And he said, the God of our fathers hath chosen thee. Hath chosen thee. He's a chosen vessel. That thou shouldest know his will and see that just one. Look, there's another name for our king. Just one. And shouldest hear the voice of his mouth. For thou shalt be his witness unto all men of what thou hast seen and heard. And in Acts 26, turn over to Acts 26. And here's our master speaking to Paul about this very subject. And see, this is just where scripture confirms scripture. So Paul owes his appointment and his authority to the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone. He gets authority from no one else. Acts 26, verse 15 and 17, or to 18, actually. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Now think of the union between Christ and the body. Paul's persecuting individual Christians, isn't he? The head, Christ is the head, and we're the body, right? See that union, that incredible union between Christ and the believer? That when Paul was persecuting believers, he is persecuting Christ. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and witness both of these things which thou hast seen and those things in which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people, from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee. So he's a chosen, ordained vessel of God. And then verse 26 says, or 18, I mean, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may for- receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Oh, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, an apostle of Christ. Galatians says this, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man, for I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. And these are Paul in Galatians chapter 1, verse 11 and 12. He tells us that the gospel he preaches is not after man. He's not man taught. But his authority comes from God. And think, remember this as you're reading the epistles, the Pauline epistles. Paul constantly battled against works-based religion. Constantly. The Judaizers were coming at him. The mystics were coming at him. The Gnostics were coming at him. He had all different attacks from all different areas. But the one thing that they constantly attacked too was his authority to preach the gospel. But he's telling us here that his authority comes from Christ and from him alone. And they were constantly attacking him, saying he didn't have the authority to preach, but he did. It came from God. And praise God that the authority he had didn't come from man or their opinions of him, right? But from God. And he preached Christ to glorify God. So to reject the words of Paul is actually to reject the words of the master as his authority did not come from himself but from Christ. He that receiveth you receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. 
What a blessed union between between Christ between between Christ and his servants. What a blessed union. Apostolic teaching is Christ's teaching. To receive the twelve is to receive their Lord Jesus, our Christ, our King. To receive the Lord Jesus is to receive God himself. Matthew 10.40 He that receiveth you, receiveth me. And he that receiveth me, receiveth him that sent me. So when they were rejecting Paul and rejecting his his authority, they were rejecting God in that sense because he was preaching about Christ. He was proclaiming Christ to them. So hence, to reject the words of an apostle, which Paul is, is a rejection of the will of God. John says this in chapter 13, verse 20, Verily, verily, I say unto unto you, He that receiveth, whomsoever I send, Receiveth me. He that receiveth me, receiveth him that sent me. Therefore, Paul had the authority from God to address the church and the saints at Colossus. He didn't do this on his own. Which leads to our third point in the text. Look at this. Paul, an apostle, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ... By the will of God. And this is the name of our sermon tonight. By the will of God. And Timotheus, our brother. Notice these five words which are true of every believer in Christ. Paul is an apostle by the word of God. He did not attain his high office through aspiration or by usurping anyone, right? He didn't force his way in. He didn't make someone else step down. But he was an apostle by the will of God. And he tells us right here in the text. Right here in the text, by the will of God. Paul was also... It, well, and here, here is an expression, basically, of Paul's theology. How was Paul saved? By the will of God. <laughs> By the will of God. How was Paul able to preach? By the will of God. How were any of the saints saved? By the will of God. There's this... His authority as an apostle was by the will of God. His teaching and learning the truth of the things of God in Christ was by the will of God. Turn with me, if you would, to Romans chapter 1, verse 10, and put your finger in Romans 15, 32. And I know I have us turning, but what I'm trying to do is show us the correlation between this. Do you know that his travels of preaching the gospel was all by the will of God? And he acknowledges that. Romans chapter 1, verse 10. I love this little verse. Making request, if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey, by the will of God, to come unto you. To come unto you by the will of God. And in Romans 15, 32, 
And this is a constant vein in Paul's preaching and writings. He acknowledged that, that anything that was done was by the will of God. Even if he went to visit someone, even if he went on a journey, it was by the will of God. That I may come unto you with joy by the will of God and may with you be refreshed. Romans fifteen thirty two. That I may come unto you with joy by the will of God. And think of this, even his time of departing from this world, his breathing his last breath was by the will of God. We all have an appointment. We all have an appointment. Now some may ask, what does this have to do with me as a believer? Beloved, everything. Everything. All of us are here breathing and living and moving by the will of God. You're gifting to be able to do the jobs where you work is all by the will of God. Brother John, I can't do what you do. You, well, you, you're, you're, you do your construction work, right? They're the, the, the dozers and you're running the big machine. I can't do that. But God has gifted you with the ability to do that. By, and and we may look at that and think, well, yeah, but you learned how to do that. You, yeah, by the will of God. Brother Bob was telling me he used to be a heavy equipment operator too. I don't know the first thing about that kind of stuff. Now, I can work on a computer and stuff and tear that apart and work on all that, but God's given me the ability to learn that. See, everything, we, we, we look at things and we think, oh, no, that, but it's all gifts from God. To be able to do the things that you can do. Because not everyone can do those things. And here's a comforting thought for believers. If you're a believer, it's by the will of God. It's by the will of God. And this is true of every one of God's enlightened children. Every single one of them. If you're saved and those he will save, it will be by the will of God. Doesn't it strip us of all our doings? <laughs> it's marvelous. It's marvelous. Of his own will begot he us. With the word of truth, James 1.18. Of his own will begat he us. We are bought into a living union with the resurrected Christ of God under the preaching of his glorious gospel by the sovereign will of a majestic and mighty God. He gets all the glory. He gets it all. If you're a child of God, 
It's not because of a decision you made or a prayer you prayed. If you're a child of God, it's by the will of God. Now, do God's, do God's people, do his elect, do they cry out? Do they pray to him? Do they run to him? Absolutely. Because they're made willing. And they're made willing by the will of God. <laughs> oh, it's marvelous. There is no merit in our doings. No merit. And, and I'll be honest with you, when you're witnessing to people too, it's sure comforting know that, to know that if, if the Lord saves them, it, it, it's by his will. I remember a dear friend of mine, and he was caught up in the group that they basically told him, if people go to hell, it's all because of you. No, people go to hell, it's because of their sin. But if you ever go to heaven, it's by the will of God. <laughs> it's by the will of God. But after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared. The kindness and love of God. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done. There goes our doing. It's gone. But according to his mercy. If you're saved, it's by the will of God. According to his mercy. Mercy. He saved us by the washing of, the, of regeneration, being born again of the Holy Spirit, and renewing of the Holy Ghost which he shed on us abundantly. Remember, pressed down, overflowing, daily loaded down with benefits. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Titus chapter 3, verse 4 to 7. Made heirs by the will of God. It's marvelous. The hope of eternal life by the will of God. Regenerated by the Holy Spirit by the will of God. Called out of, out of darkness into the light, the marvelous light of Christ by the will of God. Saved from all your sins, every single one of them by the will of God. Oh, it's marvelous. He gets all the glory. He gets all the honor. He gets all the praise. Oh, if we're bought from, from death to life in Christ, it's by the will of God. Remember how we saw we were a corpse the other night? Dead in trespasses and sins, but then we're made alive, believers. Are, it's by the will of God. Verily, verily, I send you, he that heareth my word, and believeth on him, believes on Christ, that sent me, and hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Verily, verily, I send you, the hour is coming, and now is when the dead, there's the dead spiritually, shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall, shall, shall 
Those are those imperative words. I love them. Shall live. It's not a question. They shall. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Because our salvation is in Christ and him alone. Our hope is in Christ. And Do you see how it tears any hope in ourselves away from us? And this is what free grace preaching does. It strips us of any hope or any, any, any thoughts of merit in ourselves and exalts Christ to his right place. And he receives all the glory and he receives all the honor and he receives all the praise. Do you know if Christ died as your substitute? It's by the will of God. Remember our Savior dying and bleeding upon the tree by the will of God. He must redeem his people from their sins. And this answers the question, by the will of God, answer the question, how then can a man be justified with God? Or how can he be clean that is born of, the, uh, of a woman? Job 25.4. The answer is in Christ and nowhere else. But how are we saved? In Christ by the will of God. And we know, turn with me if you would, we know, Romans chapter 8, we know that by measuring Scripture with Scripture, That this is true, that we are saved by the will of God. And I'll read you a portion in Acts quickly. Acts says this Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. If you're if you've been purchased, if you've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, it's by the will of God. It's by the will of God. Romans chapter 8, verses 28 to 30. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. His purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. Notice the past tense in all this. To be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Here's the Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, past tense. And whom he called, them he also justified, past tense. And whom he justified, them he also glorified, past tense. It's amazing. It's incredible. It's all by the will of God. It's all by the will of God. If you're redeemed, if you're saved, it's all by the, the will of God. Jude says this, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Christ Jesus and called. If you are sanctified in Christ, if you're being preserved in Christ, it's by the will of God. Why don't we go off the rails? Because it's the will of God to keep us. And he does. He keeps his people. He keeps us looking to Christ. He preserves us. And we saw in Romans 8.30 that when we are glorified, it would be by the will of God. It's It's according to his purpose. He does what he pleases. And if you're lost and it's God's will for you to be saved, you'll be saved. This gives us hope, doesn't it, for our loved ones. It's not fatalism. We pray for them. We witness to them. 
But if they're saved, it's by the will of God. You're good as sheep. He won't lose one of them. Not one of them. And this is the hope. As we trumpet the gospel of God's free grace in Christ, that God will save his people, and we know he will. And when he does, it'll be all according to his will. All according to his will. And see what this does? This puts man way down here where we're supposed to be, and it puts God way up there. And that's what scripture does. The the God of religion is way down here, and man is way up here. (laughs) It's not like that in the scriptures, though, is it? As we read the scriptures, it's not like that at all. Oh, he's so far above us. He's God. We can't even fathom. And think of this. For all of us here, hearing this message, or those listening on the internet, or those who will listen, it's all by the will of God. It's all by the will of God. The last point I'd like to look at is we are brethren in Christ. Look at this. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timotheus, our brother. Now, we're a family. God's, God's people are a family. We're brethren. We're all redeemed by one Savior. By one Savior. And Timothy was not an apostle, but he was a faithful preacher of the gospel of God's free grace in Christ. He was a fellow laborer in the work of the ministry. And he was one of our own dear brothers in Christ. Remember that as we read these scriptures at home. These are our brethren. And we who are God's preachers, we're not in competition with each other. Not at all. And we don't desire the preeminence. If we do, we're in trouble. We want God to have all the preeminence. We want Christ to have all the preeminence. We who preach only preach by the will of God. We're called to preach the gospel, but it's by God's will. We can't boast about it. We can't Everything we know, we've learned. We're just saved sinners telling other sinners where to find bread, right? That's all. So God's preachers are not in competition with each other at all. We rejoice when the gospel's preached. This is also true with the whole family of God, though. No one's trying to put more feathers in their hat in the body of Christ. No one's trying to outdo each other or obtain a position. No, 
What's the one thing that we seek when we gather together? That God would be glorified, right? That he'd be magnified in Christ. That the gospel, another thing, that the gospel would go out with power. And that God would use it to glorify himself and to save sinners. This is the only way a sinner can be saved is through Christ and him alone. There's no other way. So the earnest desire of every believer, every member of the body of Christ, is that the Lord Jesus Christ would receive all the glory and all the honor that he would be magnified. And Paul, think of this. Here's an apostle, and he says, Timotheus, our brother. Norm Wells, a dear friend of mine, you're a preacher friend of mine. He's been preaching for a long, long time. And we get on the phone and we can talk for hours sometimes. And, but he always says to me, Brother Wayne, I just look at you like my equal. And I said, but brother, I, I get with you and the other grace preachers and I feel like Timothy. <laughs> I'm, I do. I'm among these men who have preached the gospel for years. But they treat me like an equal. They don't vault themselves over each other. And I've noticed that with them. The ones I hang out with, they don't vault each they don't vault over each other. They don't. We get together and talk about Christ and just rejoice in what He's done for us. And what He's doing. So Paul, he's an apostle, and he says, Timotheus, our brother, like he's an equal. And this speaks of our kinship and the unity that we have in Christ. And think of this, this is for all believers. We have a unity in Christ. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. We're family. We come from all different walks of life. Every one of us. All different nationalities. But we have one unity, one, we're united in Christ, aren't we? We're united in him. This is where we find our hope, our salvation, our redemption. Paul summed it up when he said, Christ is our all in all. He's our Alpha and our Omega, our beginning and our end. It's often spoken of the brotherhood in the military or police, and Brother John, you probably experienced that, right? In military or police or firefighting professions, they often speak of a brotherhood. But I really believe this from what I've experienced, and I've talked to other men who have been soldiers too before, and they've they even said the brotherhood in Christ far exceeds that. Far exceeds that. And I've talked to many grace believers who have the same feelings that I have, who say we're closer to one another than we are to our own family. How do you explain that? We all have the same father. We have the same father. We have the same redeemer. The same Holy Spirit within us. 
the same robe of righteousness. The same inheritance. In the same hope. The same eternal hope that's in Christ. We don't hope in ourselves. There was a time when we may have. Don't now. No one. The world doesn't understand that kinship. That bond of love that believers have. Now, like any family, sometimes we don't always get along. Right? Sometimes a brother will get along with a brother and sometimes they're they have a time, but the one thing with with believers is we, we're all, we, the Lord will always bring us back together. And here, here, think of this: if someone's wronged you, think of how much God's forgiven you, and it won't be hard to to, to forgive others. I heard Henry Mahan say this too. He said, if you're having trouble with someone, pray for them. He said, a believer can't be mad at another believer if he's praying for him. <laughs> he just can't. <laughs> it does work. I've tried. <laughs> but think of that. We have the same God, the same Redeemer, the same Spirit within us, the Holy Spirit, the same robe of righteousness, the same inheritance, the same eternal hope. What more could we possibly want, beloved? Now we know why Paul said Christ is our all in all. And my prayer is that God would continue to cultivate among us a love for the brethren. in unity one with another, in Christ Jesus our Lord. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may he be glorified, and may we keep our hearts and minds set upon him. I'll see you when it's time. <laughs>